Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time to be together, uh, to hear from your word, to worship you, to have communion with you and fellowship with you and fellowship with each other. Uh, We pray that you would bless this message, and we pray that uh, you would give us wisdom, and uh, we pray that uh, you would just bless us. And we thank you for your grace, and amen. Amen. All right, so today's sermon is uh, titled, Time Management and Spiritual Disciplines. Um, I'll quickly define spiritual disciplines. So a, special, a spiritual discipline is just a thing that we do that helps us to grow as Christians. So you could also think of it as time management and devotions or time management and time with God or something like that. But time management and spiritual disciplines. Because uh, we're, we're called to do well at both of those things and both of those things are related. Uh, we have a lot of you know, spiritual disciplines that we need to be putting time into, and it's very easy to get to the point where we feel like we don't have time for them. And that can be a real hindrance. Uh, So if we can get to the point with our time management where we don't feel like there's too little time, that would make things easier. And easier is good, uh, in a sense. So, uh, but the first thing I want to point out uh, we're just outright called to make the most of our time. Like, it's, it's very didactically stated in the scriptures. Let's look at Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil, or because days are filled with pain. Let's also look at Colossians uh, 4, verse 5. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. So as Christians, we're stewards. We're servants to God. We're servants of his kingdom, and there's things he wants us to do. And he's given us a certain amount of time to do them. Everybody has a limited amount of time in the day and a limited amount of time on earth. And we have to make the best use of that time. God wants us to make the best use of that time. So having said that, I also want to point out, you know, God has called us to practice spiritual disciplines, to do things that help us grow in our walk with him. Uh, And there's four of them particularly that I want to point out. A a person might say there's more than four things that are spiritual disciplines. I'm not saying that there's not, but there's four that I want to focus on. Uh, And these are also fill in the blanks in your outline. Uh, But the first one is Bible reading. God calls us to be a people of his word, to know his word, to regularly be in his word. Let's look at Joshua 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." We're also told uh, in 1 Peter 2, verse 2, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that uh, by it you may grow into salvation. I wish I craved God's word like Jeremiah craves milk. He gets very upset when he doesn't get milk. I don't get very upset if I miss time in God's word. I probably still need to grow in that. And God obviously isn't just saying, just, you know, desire time in the scriptures without pursuing time in the scriptures. The point of desiring something is to pursue it. Or, you know, part of the point of it. 
But we are called, you know, to be people who read the scriptures, people who meditate on the scriptures, people who study the scriptures. Uh, You know, that's how we grow in knowledge of God. Not only that, but spending time in God's word gives us supernatural empowerment. Like it really does cause effects on your attitude and on your heart to spend time in God's word. Even if you don't learn anything you didn't know before, it has a real tangible effect to spend time in God's word. It's going to affect your attitude. It's going to affect your life. It's going to affect your heart. And it's time spent with God, so it's a means to grow in our relationship with him, which we've been looking at lately, how God wants us to be close to him. And spending time in God's word helps with that. It's a means to grow closer to God. So not only are we called to Bible reading, but we are called to prayer. We need to be spending time in prayer. We looked at a few weeks ago how prayer is our duty, or in some sense our job, as Christians. Jesus teaches us to pray in his name, which means praying by his authority, but I believe it also means praying for the things that he wants us to pray for. Uh, When you do something in someone's name, it means by their authority, but it usually also means on their behalf, and it usually means both. Because God has things that he wants to accomplish through prayer, rather than apart from prayer. He could just do them, but he would rather do them in response to prayer. And so he leads us to pray. And prayer is part of our responsibility as Christians. It's part of our office as priests of God's kingdom. It is part of our job description. And it's just outright commanded. Let's look at 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, for all who are high, in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Let's also look at Ephesians 6, verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication or praying for all the saints. I think God values prayer. Amen. Uh, I didn't list it here, but you know, pray without ceasing. Prayer is supposed to be a, a very central part of a Christian's life. It's supposed to be a very regular daily thing. Your life should be marked by prayer. Not only that, but, um, you know, prayer is also part of how we grow closer to God. We are seeking to grow closer to God, and prayer is part of how we do that. And prayer increases our fruitfulness. You're not going to be as fruitful as you could be without pushing into prayer. Prayer can make you more fruitful in the individual things that you do, your ministries and your job, but it can also... Uh, enable you to be fruitful in ways you couldn't otherwise because you can be praying for people on the other side of the world who you couldn't conveniently talk to or meet or ever see in person and you can have a tangible effect on their lives through prayer. So we need prayer. We're called to prayer. We also need worship. We're called to worship. Let's look at uh, Psalms 150 verse 6. 
Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I do have breath. I'm happy about that. Praise the Lord. I think you have breath too. I don't know how you made it here today if you don't. Let's also look at Psalm 135, verses 1 through 3. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord, who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. If you're a Christian, you are one of the servants of the Lord, and you are called to praise. God calls his people to be a people of worship. And that's a blessed thing. That's not a burdensome thing because in worship we get to deeply enjoy God. Not only that, but we need to be seeking God in worship because worship is where we come to really touch the power of God. There's a reason that, um, and I think it was in Chronicles somewhere, but in war, the army of Israel sent out worshipers before the army. The worshipers didn't have swords. They didn't have spears. They were worshipers, but they sent them out first because they expected to touch God's power and worship. And we really need God's power as a church. So we are called to Bible reading, we are called to prayer, and we are called to worship. And uh, and there's a fourth one I want to mention. We are called to study. And so when I say study, uh, I'm mostly thinking like, reading to books or listening to books. Um, We definitely need to study the Bible, uh, memorize scripture and meditate on it. But it's also, it's helpful. In fact, it's so helpful that I'd almost call it essential. It's essential for what we're trying to accomplish, you know, to read books. You won't know God as well as you could if you only try to get to know God by yourself. But we are called to be a people who study. Let's look at Proverbs 23, verse 12. Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. Let's also look at Proverbs 10, verse 14. The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. I really like that statement, the wise lay up knowledge. It reminds me of a, a picture of a person who like keeps going to work every day and is saving money, and they gradually accumulate more and more money. You know, that's a happy thought. Um, but imagine doing that with knowledge. You gradually accumulate more and more knowledge. That's what we're supposed to be doing. The wise lay up knowledge. They store it up like rich people store up money. But anyways, so book reading is very helpful because we can learn things that we wouldn't otherwise learn. And that's something we can't afford to be missing out on. Uh, You know, there's books that have valuable insight on how to be effective in life and in ministry. Uh, You know, we can get better knowledge of the scripture through books. There's paradigm changes that I've had that I wouldn't have had if I didn't read certain books. And they totally changed the way I see God. We get to know God better, or we can get to know God better through books. 
Not only that, but we're trying to be a reformed and charismatic church. That's, you know, a bit of a tall order in some sense. And um, there's books that can help us in both of those areas that we would be well to use to our advantage. So we're called to take part in spiritual disciplines. But spiritual disciplines take time. There's a lot that we would like to do, and it'll be easier if we manage our time well. So good time management is something that I would recommend anybody try to uh, develop as a skill. That being said, the next part of this sermon, eight tips for good time management. We're called to make the most of our time. We're called uh, to spend time with God, so let's learn to use our time well. So I've got eight tips that if a person does these, it's very helpful. It's a lot easier to manage your time well. So the first one, number one, set goals. If you want to be productive in life, you really do need to set goals. You can't just aim for nothing and expect to hit something worth hitting. If you're not trying to do specific things, you know, you're leaving what you do up to chance in a real sense. Goals help you focus your time and your energy and your efforts. Not only that, but they, help, they can help you have more motivation. When you have a goal in mind, something you're aiming for, something you think is desirable, that helps you to remember why you're working, what you're working towards, and that helps you to be more willing to work. Because you're not working for nothing, you're working towards a goal. And that goal should be something you desire, something you consider uh, helpful or useful or worthy. So I would recommend that a person have general goals, like uh, some examples of that would be, I want to read 12 books this year, or I want to graduate college, or I want to read the whole Bible this year. It's good to have general goals. Those help us to um, you know, make sure we're using our time well. But it's also good to have time usage goals. Like, I want to spend X amount of time per day or per week doing this. Like, I want to spend a certain amount of time reading scripture per day or practicing a certain skill or a certain amount of time in prayer or in worship. It's good to have goals like that. So specific goals are helpful, or rather general goals are helpful, and time usage goals are helpful. And I would recommend that anyone who wants to do really well at uh, managing their time have both types of goals, just general one-off, I want to accomplish this thing goals, and also goals for how you use your time per day or per week. They're both helpful. And if you have time goals, like I want to spend you know, a certain amount of time in prayer per day, you should also find ways to track them. You should keep track of whether or not you're actually spending that much amount of time per day or per week on that thing. So set goals. Setting goals makes a big difference. If you aim for nothing, you won't hit something worth hitting. If you aim for nothing, you might hit something, but it won't be something worth hitting, odds are. Not like he could have. 
The second tip I have for good time management, keep a planned schedule. So what I mean by that, uh, like a calendar or some type of planner, and make sure your day is planned out ahead of time. Planning your day out ahead of time is very helpful for avoiding wasting time. And, you know, there's various reasons for that. Uh, if you have your day planned out ahead of time, like your day and your evening, what you want to do with each hour of the day, if you have it planned out ahead of time, it keeps you from taking the time to decide what you're going to do. You know, sometimes I get to the evening and I have free time, and if I forgot to plan my evening out ahead, I'm like, what am I going to do? And then I spend 15 to 20 minutes just thinking about what I'm going to do. That's 15 to 20 minutes not spent doing something useful. Because I could have just planned my whole day out at once in 15 minutes. Not only that, but if you plan out how you're going to use your time every hour of the day ahead of time, it keeps you from thinking to yourself, oh, I have free time, and then just defaulting, like we tend to do, to TV or video games or social media. If you plan out how you're going to use your time, it, it makes it a lot easier to avoid defaulting to free time. Let's watch TV uh, or scrolling Facebook. Planning your schedule out or planning out each hour of the day also helps you to see how much time you have. It's easy to feel like we don't have that much time, but when you actually look at your calendar each week and see each hour of the day visually represented, it's easier to see that you do have time. You might have more than you thought. I really think that in general, most people have more time than they think they do. If you really take the time to look at your calendar and kind of imagine, what if I cut out every single thing that isn't absolutely necessary and then counted the amount of hours that are left? You could work two full-time jobs. I'm not saying you should, you probably shouldn't, but you probably have enough time that you could. Keeping a planned schedule also helps to balance your time usage, because when you plan it out and you can see it visually represented, it helps you to see if you're over-focusing on one area or under-focusing on another. Helps you uh, stay balanced and balance your priorities. If you don't plan your schedule ahead, in some sense, you're leaving how you're going to spend your time up to chance. Because you'll probably just do whatever you feel like doing if you don't have a plan. And who knows how, what you're going to feel like doing. If you don't plan your schedule out ahead, you're leaving how you're going to spend your time up to chance. So that's the second tip. Keep a planned schedule. The third tip I have, if you want to manage your time well, is don't have idle time. Notice that I didn't say don't have rest. I did not say don't have rest. I would not recommend that to anyone. I said don't have idle time. And so by idle time, um, like time where you're not really resting and you're also not working. 
you're just doing nothing just cause. Like it's not even a plan to doing nothing for the sake of rest. You're just doing nothing because, you know, just cause. We should avoid that. I would recommend, you know, all your time should either be some type of work that you consider worth doing or some type of rest that you consider worth doing. You do need rest. Don't neglect it. But um, it's very easy to just fall into doing nothing just because, and it's not like we're doing it because we want the rest and did be good to rest. You know, it's just easy to fall into we're just doing nothing just because. I have a habit, uh, unfortunately, of scrolling Facebook. If I stop thinking while I'm working, I will almost without thinking about it, open a new tab, hit the letter F, Facebook magically pops up, and there I am scrolling it. I don't even, yeah, I did take it off my phone. It's, it's a hard ingrained habit. So scrolling Facebook, in my opinion, is a type of low-quality rest. There's low-quality rest, and there's high-quality rest. Scrolling Facebook is not very refreshing. For the most of it, at least when I'm scrolling Facebook, I'm not building relationships with anyone. Um, maybe some people use it better than I do. But, you know, there's low-quality rest and there's high-quality rest. Some rest is very much worth doing, especially since rest is a good thing and God made it. But um, if you're going to have rest, plan it. Because you can have much more enjoyable rest if you plan rest that's worth doing. But don't have idle time. Don't have time where it's just doing nothing just because. We would get a lot more done if all of our time was either spent on work that's worth doing or on rest that's worth doing. And, you know, some things you might consider rest can be worth doing more than just for the rest you get out of them. Um, you know, certain types of family activities, depending on your family and the activities, you might consider work that's worth doing or you might consider it rest that's worth doing. But you should spend time with your family. If you're a parent, it's worth doing, whether it's work or rest. But we should avoid having idle time. Tip number four for making the best use of time. Plan times of rest out ahead of time. So there's a few reasons why I think it helps to start planning out times of rest ahead of time. The biggest reason for me is that it helps to stay motivated and not get distracted. Because if I'm just working in the evening, uh, you know, sometimes I get tired or I get bored and I think it would be fun to, you know, take time away from what I'm doing and do something fun. But if I have rest planned out ahead of time, like I plan each night to after I've done all my work for the evening to spend an hour with my wife. And I can look forward to that. And looking forward to that keeps me from getting as tired or as bored. It gives me motivation to keep doing what I'm doing and to not be distracted by the temptation, uh, you know, to scroll Facebook or watch TV because I know that I have something enjoyable coming. It helps to plan your rest out ahead of time. It, I think it really does help to provide motivation. 
and to uh, make it less enticing to just stop what you're doing in order to scroll Facebook or watch TV. Planning rest out ahead of time also helps you to not neglect rest. Neglecting rest is a bad habit, and it leads to bad problems. You do need rest. God designed you to need rest, and that's a good thing. Godly rest is not a waste of time. There's a reason God commanded it. Also, planning rest out ahead of time helps you to have higher quality rest. Rest that helps you feel more refreshed. Rest that helps you get more enjoyment out of life. So plan things that are fun and look forward to them. And that can help avoiding the feeling like you need to take a break uh, when you don't want to take a break. All right, uh, tip number five. Learn to say no to things that you don't place a high value on. So everything in life has an opportunity cost. Everything you use time on has an opportunity cost. If I agree to do something uh, with someone, then I, that time has been set aside, and I can't use it for other things. Everything, all time has an opportunity cost. Once you've committed time to something, you're using it for that thing and you can't use it for other things. But there's a lot of things in life that we would like to do, more than we have time to do. And there's always going to be people and things that are vying for our time. So we can't just say yes um, to all of them. And it's an easy habit to fall into to just say yes to everyone who asks for your time. You shouldn't say no to everyone who asks for your time. We are called to love each other. But we should learn to say no to things that we can't biblically place a high value on. Not only that, but you know, it's easy to be ruled by fear of man or by desire to please others, to people please. Don't let your desire to please others lead you to attend every single thing regardless of whether or not it's a good use of your time. You know, desire to people, please, can lead us to just saying yes to everything. And that leads to not having time for anything. It could be that uh, if someone's asking you for some of your time, that it's something totally worth doing, but you can't just make that assumption. You have to think it through each time someone asks you to commit to something. Is this best use of time? And it's not always people either. Sometimes the Xbox calls out to you, or the TV calls out to you. And sometimes we need to say no. Sometimes those things are worth doing. They can be valuable parts of rest. They can be high-quality rest, depending on how we use them. But we need to learn to say no to things that we don't place a high value on, or that we can't place a high value on. Tip number six, if you want to make the best use of time, eliminate distractions. So especially in modern times, distractions can take a lot of time out of the day. And they can also, even when we are spending time on something we should be spending time on, distractions can make us less effective at whatever it is we're trying to do. So um, this is a difficult thing, but I, I have some tips. Um, 
You know, if you're trying to focus on something and you keep getting distracted by your phone, maybe leave your phone in another room. Maybe consider uninstalling social media apps. I still have problems going to Facebook without thinking about it when I should, but it's better because it's not on my phone. You can also, if you're on a desktop or a laptop a lot, download a website blocking extension. And if you're trying to do something where you can't afford to get distracted, do it in a place where you're not likely to get distracted. But uh, you guys can be creative. Y'all are creative people. And um, we have distractions in life, but we need to find ways to eliminate them. So think of ways that you can eliminate distractions. Tip number seven. Schedule tasks in a way that makes them easier for you. So if you're not an evening person, if you're a morning person, and you tend to fall asleep easily, don't schedule your devotions for the end of the day. Um, you know, it, it sounds simple, but sometimes we forget it. Schedule your activities in a way that makes them easier for you. If you have four hours of reading that needs done on a given day, but you have a hard time reading four hours in a row without getting tired or distracted, see if you can split them up and do two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening, or two hours before dinner and two hours after dinner. We should try to schedule things in such a way that makes them easier. Uh, if you have a few tasks to do in the evening, that you planned and you don't feel the motivation to do the one that you planned, think about switching them around and whether or not that would help. Like I do this all the time. Sometimes I planned to read something and then I get to that time of day and I'm like, I don't feel like reading this. Let's do the thing I planned to do after this and then read it. <laughs> you know, that can be helpful. If you have a hard time having the motivation or energy or focus to do what you plan to do, then think about whether or not reorganizing your schedule could help with that. Um, there was a point where this really helped with me preparing sermons. For me, preparing sermons takes about eight to 10 hours a week. Um, and I used to like really kind of dread when I would look forward to having preached. It wasn't looking forward to it. I really dreaded having to prepare for it. Um, but I also spent like four to eight hours like on Saturday and stayed up till 3 a.m. So then I got the idea, you know what, what if I just did one hour a day every day? And it, it's really easy now in comparison to how it used to be. But there are things you can do, ways you can rearrange your schedule that will make th accomplishing more or being more diligent easier. So think about whether or not you can do that. And the eighth tip, the eighth thing that I think we need to learn to manage time well, is to learn to handle setbacks and discouragement effectively. So, you know, everyone who plans a schedule is going to realize that, number one, some things take longer than you thought they would. And number two, things come up that you didn't plan to come up. Your car breaks down and you didn't think it would break down. Your neighbor's car broke down and they need help and... Or uh, 
your child broke a bone. Uh, you know, these things happen. <laughs> your schedule is not always going to go according to plan. But I have two things that help me to not get discouraged about it. Setbacks are going to happen, but if we get discouraged, that's just another temptation to, uh, to slow down or to quit. So we need to learn to handle that discouragement well. So if something comes up that you didn't plan to do, um, but it's still something that's worth doing, then don't let yourself feel like you're not being productive. Don't let yourself, just because things didn't go according to plan, um, feel like it was a waste of time. You know, if your child does break a bone, taking them to a hospital is great use of time. I would very much recommend that you do. That's still making best use of time. God knew that that would happen. God allowed it to happen in his sovereignty. And you responded by taking your child to the hospital. That is making best use of time. So don't get discouraged when those things happen. Or if something took longer than you thought it would, but you were still working hard at it, um, then count that as productive. Don't let yourself feel like you're not being productive just because things take longer. All right. Um, So, setting aside time for spiritual disciplines. So those are my eight tips for managing time well or making the most of time. But now I want to talk about setting aside time for spiritual disciplines. So at the bottom of your handout, uh, I made this thing. This is really just for you to fill out. You know, you're obviously not going to send this in to me. This is more for you to just think through for yourself and decide for yourself and hold yourself accountable. And if you want, you can, uh, you know, talk to your discipleship group leader about it. But uh, it says, I plan on reading the Bible blank, blank per day. So the first blank would be a number, and the second one would either be chapters or minutes. Some people read a certain amount of chapters per day. I personally like reading a certain amount of minutes per day, because then I don't get tempted to rush through it. And however much I get done is however much I get done. Uh, The second one, I plan on setting aside big blank for prayer. Um, I made it a big blank so that you you can think what is best for you, in your season of life, but it's worth thinking about it. Pick how much time you are going to set aside for prayer because we are called to pray. We're called to be a praying people and you should have a set aside amount of time for, for prayer. You know, the third blank, I plan on having worship blank. You know, X amount of times per, you know, day, week, whatever. I'm not going to tell you how much time you should set aside That's up to you, but we do need to be setting aside time for worship and prayer and Bible reading. And uh, and I decided for the last one, I plan on reading or listening to blank amount of books this year. These are some things you should think about. So while you fill those out, I just have some recommendations I'll briefly mention. Uh, When it comes to Bible reading, I would recommend having a Bible reading plan or at least a checklist. Like I keep a checklist on my computer, and when I finish a book of the Bible, I check it off, and I have one for each year. 
because we should try to get through the whole Bible at least every year or two, because there's always more to know about God. We should get to know his word very well. Star Wars fans, avid Star Wars fans, don't just watch it once, and I know a lot about Star Wars. (laughs) They've seen it dozens of times, and they still marathon it. That's how we should feel about the Bible. With prayer, I have some recommendations for that. Um, I would recommend having at least 15 minutes a day of set-aside time for prayer. Um, And maybe consider using themed days. That's something I started doing a year or two ago, uh, where I have some days of the week I'm praying for... um, myself, my family, anyone who I disciple for their spiritual health, their general health. Um, And then the next day of the week, I pray for my leaders in the church, um, our church and other churches. And then the next day of the week, I pray for non-Christians that they would come to Christ and for government. Because there's a bunch of things we're called to pray for, and it can be easy to just forget to pray for them. And it can also be easy to feel like you're just praying the same thing over and over and over and over and over every day. So having themed days can help with that. Uh, I would also consider using a prayer journal, uh, potentially. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead a bit on my list of recommendations. Um, when it comes to books, I have some recommendations. Take advantage of audiobooks. If you have time to read 12 books a year, you could get through 24 books a year if you also did audiobooks. Uh, odds are, because every, almost everyone has to drive somewhere every day. That's time for audiobooks. Um, if you go to the gym, or if you go on walks, or if you do any form of exercise where you're not exercising with other people, it's a great time for audiobooks. And, uh, and I would also recommend, when it comes to keeping track of what books you want to read, use goodreads.com. Uh, I would like it if everybody used goodreads.com. It's like a social media site, but it's only about books. It's much healthier than Facebook. And you can see what I'm reading and what others are reading. And I just think it'd be cool if everyone used it. But anyways, in conclusion, we we need to make the most of our time. God commands us to make the most of our time. And if we want to accomplish everything we feel like God has called us to, we're going to need to learn to use time well. We need to make the most of our time. Uh, And secondly, in conclusion, consider whether or not you should increase your time uh, in devotions this year. We are trying to seek God deeper. We are trying to grow closer to God. We want to permanently raise the amount of closeness that we have with him. Um, So it could be that you spend Uh, just the right amount of time with God. I'm not saying you have to raise the amount of time you spend in devotions, but consider it. Evaluate it. Is this the right amount of time that I should be spending with God? So let's get to our communion meditation. Christ nourishes his church. Let's look at Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 29. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. 
For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. So Christ nourishes the church and cherishes the church. I was looking up on Google this morning the definition for nourish, the dictionary definition, and to nourish means to provide with food or other substances necessary for growth, health, and good condition. And that's what Christ does for his church. Christ cherishes us and he nourishes us. He provides us with what we need for growth and health and good condition. And as Christians, when we practice spiritual disciplines, it's not us strengthening ourselves and it's not us causing ourselves to grow. Christ has an agenda to nourish us and to cause us to grow. And when we spend time in spiritual disciplines, Christ supernaturally works through them to strengthen us and to nourish us and to give us what we need to grow. And that's the kind intention of his heart to bless us, to give us what we need to be close to him and to have abundant joy. Christ kindly and compassionately desires to nourish us and bless us, so let's thank him for that as we come to the table.